So as we lead up to Christmas, we've been in a short series called Lessons from the Manger. Today we are in part three of three. We're not going to go there next week. We're going a different direction. And for this series, um, uh, the last sermon today is about God's great ripple effect. And it's going to be Luke 2, 15 through 20. And all through this short series, um, I've been working under a big idea. And that big idea is that all of us would reflect a little bit more deeper on the sign that was given to the shepherds. And if you've been here or if you've been listening online, um, you know what that sign was. It comes out of Luke chapter 2, verse 12. Let's read the bottom of the screen together. And you will recognize him by this sign. And you will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. So a, a baby in a manger. Now, that would be strange because a manger is a feeding trough. And, and most of the time, you would not look for a baby in a feeding trough. And even the shepherds who the sign was given to, they, they knew that. A manger would be a place of um, straw and hay and food pieces and bacteria and slobber and even some poo as the animals are around it. And if you were at the live nativity last night, sometimes animals jump right into it. And it's just not a very neat, tidy, clean place. The manger was more than likely not this kind of piece of wood that we're used to seeing but it was cut out of limestone and it was a, a piece of stone that was used for generations to generations and it was sturdy and it lasted a very very long time and what i'm doing in this series these three weeks is to take a little bit of time and reflect on this sign that was given to the shepherds and it's important as we walk through the nativity story we've spent the first week of looking at Luke chapter 2, 1 through 8. Last week we looked at 9 through the beginning of 15. Today we'll take 15 to 20, focusing on what God is telling us through the manger and the birth of his son. So since we've been focusing on the nativity, I've asked last week for uh, your ch children's renditions of the nativity. And it's been, it's been fun seeing what they sent my way, but it's even been more fun hearing the comments that they made as they drew and as they, as they talked about their nativity. And even some adults, as you will see, have gotten into this this week. So let's look at a few of these. Melody Kaza was the first one. She handed me one after the service, and she drew. And what I love about this, she's even got the shepherds out in the pasture in this nativity scene, the whole story. Benjamin Fitch went home after church, and he made this out of, out of Legos. And he said to his mom, notice the stone feeding trough. He was listening week one with hay sticking out of it there on the bottom. Pretty neat. When I came back for prayer meeting last Sunday night, Hallie Stuckey had put this on my desk, and here's the live, the rendition of it here out of Legos. And I, and I love the detail that she put into it, even a little raccoon part of the, the nativity. Very, very possible. I know my barn has lots of raccoons. <laughs> kind of messy. Reed Riley um, drew this. And what I love about this is, look at the Mary and Joseph. Their hands are up in praise. Presley Fenton, one of our youngest submissions here, she drew this, and then she wrote, Mary is always on her knees. That's her blessing. That's what she told her mom. 
Mark and Kelsey and Eli Riley submitted this and said that's their, that's their nativity. And they said, one lost sheep. The shepherd is currently retrieving him. <laughs> and then Sharon Halleck, she sent me this. She had watched the grandkids, I think it was Monday or Tuesday last week, and as she was putting away the, the, this play thing, she's like, hey, this kind of looks like a first century house. And she kind of organized it into what maybe that looked like in the first nativity. So great idea. And then Dorothy Mao went crazy. So she went back and she found what Pastor Dave made when he was eight years old. And then she went even further back, and she found what her husband made when he was five or six years old. And uh, he, didn't get the picture, he didn't get the idea of no wise men yet, but hey, a lot of people don't. But Dorothy collects nativities from all over the world as her children have traveled, and as they have traveled, and as they've done missions and stuff. And, and here's just a, a few. She has over 30 of them. But, but she said the Mexico one... She said, take, take, a, take a close look at that one because Joseph has fallen behind the couch somewhere. Not sure where it's at. Still hiding there. And I really appreciated the Alaska one because the Alaska one has four different people groups representative in that nativity. And that's just amazing. So, so I want to say thank you for sending them in and, and uh, just the conversations we've had about the nativity. We want to be biblical in our nativity and as we study. But I also want to thank Everybody that was involved in the live nativity last night and Friday night. Just a ton of work, but it was very well done. If you missed it, you missed out on a great opportunity to see so many people from the community to come in and hear the story from Mary's perspective. So, so I encourage you to have some conversations. I mean, the mayor was there, the city manager sat through two showings, just kind of like, this is awesome. And I even heard the comment, on Friday nights, showing is probably one of the largest gatherings ever at the Heart Commons. We praise God for what he's done through the live nativity and the gospel being presented. <laughs> so I have, I have asked four young people for this first service, if you, if you know who you are, come on up to read the Luke 2 account. We've only read this in chunks um, in these three weeks. Um, so we're going to read through the whole story, and I'm missing, ah, there's Levi, and we're going to read through this whole story from, from the children, so just sit back, I'm not going to have the words up on the screen, and they are going to read out of their Bibles, there might be different versions, but that's okay. So Levi is going to start us off, you want to hold it or want me to? In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. I don't know how to say that. Syria. Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph went. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city. Of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the of the house and family line of David, to be registered among with Mary, who he was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, she the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him 
tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I will bring you I bring you good tidings. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David a Savior has been born will be Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. They hurried off to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Let's praise God for the reading of his word. I'm going to put the mic in there. Thank you, guys. You can go back. Thank you. So let's pray. So, Father, thank you for the reading of your word out of the mouth of these children. Thank you for that your gospel is for people of all ages. People can understand. Thank you for your grace of drawing us to yourself. So now as we key key in on these last um, five Verses of Luke chapter 2, 15 through 20. God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be pleasing to you. And God, what you allow to come out of my mouth this morning, this morning would just spread your fame and renown. Thank you for sending baby Jesus into an unclean stable so that we could see you with flesh on. And may we be the type of people, when we hear this message, when we accept Jesus as our Savior, may we be like the shepherds and go and let the whole world know of your great and marvelous gift. So, Father, we love you. You are our rock, and you're my redeemer. We pray in your precious name. Amen. So, take a look at the screen. One more time, please. Can we do it again? I missed it. So I love watching water. So I'm Muskegon Lake yesterday morning fishing. It was cold and it was rough. But just to watch water move is, is crazy. But I love in the summer when I cast my bobber into it and watch the ripples just go. And it's just something about that. So my first of six lessons this morning from the manger is the manger reminds us that Christmas has a ripple effect. Christmas has a, has a ripple effect. Just, just think of how this story ha- had a humble beginning and, and how it has spread. That's, that's always been God's plan since the beginning of, before the foundations of the earth even existed. 
God, God knew that Mary was going to be the mother of his son. And then Mary would go to Elizabeth. And then Mary, and after she left Elizabeth and after she was there sometime, an angel came to Joseph and said, hey, keep your wife. Don't get rid of her. She's pregnant with the Son of God. She's still a virgin. And, and that was all part of the plans. And then the shepherds hear of the good news when they're out in the pasture. And when they find out about the good news and they go look for the sign, they go and tell everyone. It's a ripple effect. So I want to, that's kind of the overall theme as we think through this morning. So we're going to pick it up in verse 15 of our passage. It says, when the angels had returned to heaven, I would love to have been a shepherd, like what? The shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord, say the Lord, the Lord has told us about. The shepherds heard the announcements from the angelic beings. They knew they had a sign that they had to go look for. But, but what really motivated them to go? The Lord had told them about it. They got a message from God himself. They're like, are you kidding? Us, humble shepherds? We're hearing from God? The Lord himself? That motivated them. And we get to verse 16. They hurry. They didn't walk. They, they went as quick as they could to the village. And they found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the sign in the manger. Have you ever wondered how they found the exact house where Mary and Joseph were staying? There, there were so many people in Bethlehem for the census. It was like, where's Waldo in a manger? All through Bethlehem. I imagine the shepherds knocking on the door. Who's there? Shepherds? Uh, no. Who's there? Shepherds? What do you want? We're looking for a baby in a manger. Uh, no. And I just imagine them going door to door, knocking on the doors as they went. And finally, somebody opens it up. And the people in that house have to be just as amazed, like, what's happening? And they're like, and now there's a baby in our manger? And now there's shepherds at our door? Whoa, whoa, what, what's going on? And they invite the shepherds in. And, and what did they say? What was that conversation like? How, how did they all react? How, how long did they stay? Did they only stay for an hour and then they go back and now we can have Christmas dinner with our family and do, do, do our normal holiday things? No. Luke tells us what they did in, in, chat, in, in verse 17. After seeing him, who did they see? Jesus. The shepherds told how many people? everyone what had happened and what the angel had to say to them about this child. You see the ripple effect? The angels told the shepherds the good news. This, this news is so good they can't keep it to themselves after they find the sign and they go and tell everyone. They, they didn't need a formal evangelism training program. They just repeated what they heard and what they saw. There's this baby lying in a manger, the Son of God. That's, that's, that's what witnessing is. That's what sharing Christ is. Nothing fancy, no secret formula. I'm glad there's programs and stuff to help us because we have fear. But, but it's, it's, it's simple. You see, he changes your life and you tell people about it. The good news that you have believed and heard for yourself needs to write out back out. 
The, the Bible tells us that the mouth is full of what speaks of what the heart is full of, right? So when your heart is full of the good news of Jesus, guess what your mouth speaks of? Jesus. What's your heart full of this Christmas? Is it evident in your life? In your conversations? Will it be evident when you go to your work's Christmas party? Will it be evident when you're around family that doesn't believe in Jesus? And then when you leave that party, is it evident? The Christmas has a ripple effect. We're changed by the gospel and we share it. Verse 18. Next slide, please. All who heard the shepherd's story were what? Astonished. It's my second point. The manger reminds us of how astonishing God's plan is. Think about what we learned about the shepherds last week. How, how, where they came from. I was reminded this week, if, you, if you're a fan of the chosen, go back and find the first video they ever put out. It was about the shepherds. It's powerful. You know what God did there. But look what God made these shepherds into. They were the first to hear Jesus' birth announced. They were the first to go look for Jesus. They were the first to share the goodness and the good news of Jesus to everyone that they came in contact with. And all who heard what happened were astonished by what was happening. They were astonished that God was using shepherds. They were astonished at what the shepherds told them the angels had said to them. They were astonished about the story that the shepherds told of finding baby Jesus and how it changed their lives. Just think of how our Heavenly Father transformed these young shepherds by this baby. Just think what our Heavenly Father wants to do in our lives as well. Your life and my life. One of my favorite books of the Bible is Colossians. Listen to these words. Think about the astonishment of the gospel which began at the manger. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. What did, what did the shepherds tell the angels? You are blessed. You are, you are. God is pleased with you. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. That means that baby had to be human. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now... He has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. That's why Jesus had to be born. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. Now listen to this. Because if you are in Christ, you are astonishing as well. And you are what? Holy. And what? Blameless. As you stand before him without a single fault. That's you. That's me who have put our faith in Jesus Christ. Just like the shepherds 
We're changed by Jesus. We are changed by the gospel. And our lives are astonishing because of what Christ has done. If it is God's story how he desired and planned on saving the world from sin. And the people thought, this is astonishing. People would look at your life and say, what God has done in Jesse is astonishing. What God has done in Jackson is astonishing. It's powerful. And the manger tells us that and reminds us of that. But it also, in verse 19, it says, Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them. How often? Often. Often. So thirdly, the manger reminds us as we follow God, often it will seem like it's not working out. Think on that for a few moments, because I want to talk about this. Put yourself in Mary's position. An angel comes to you and says, you're going to bear the Son of God. There is no way she didn't have ideas immediately of the supernatural things that were going to happen. I mean, after the shock of it, her mind just starts going. And I'm sure she has some ideas of, 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 of what God is going to do and how he's going to do it. And then the man that she's betrothed to gets the vision and confirms that. And he stays with her. And she's like, wow, what's going on? You would think that this supernatural thing would occur. But yet, put yourself in her shoes. You find yourself nine months pregnant. And you're with Joseph in a little town of Bethlehem. You're in a house that has no place for you to sleep. You are, you are sleeping near the animals. You, you, you go into labor and you have your baby in the straw by the animals. And, and then you have nowhere to put the baby, so you stick him in a nasty manger. This is not how Mary thought it was going to play out. May I suggest... I want you to think about this because no mother would want to place her baby in a feeding trough. Amen, mothers? I think I would hold him myself the whole time instead of putting him in a feeding trough. No way is he sleeping in that thing. God, this is, what are you doing? We don't know what happened. We don't know what's going on to make her put the baby in there. Maybe the animals got unruly, and for protection, they put them down in the stone limestone thing. Maybe during the middle of the night, the baby was fussing, and they were exhausted, and they just had to lay the baby down somewhere, so they put them in the limestone feeding trough. Maybe there was something going on physically with Mary, and just tired. We, we also don't know what happened chronologically. Did the shepherds show up right when Mary put baby Joseph here? Did she put baby Joseph in there for the night and then the shepherds showed up? We don't know. But I can guarantee you one thing. No mother would want to put her child in a feeding trough. It's not how Mary thought this was going to play out. Why are you allowing this to happen, God? So to be honest, we've all been in situations like that before, haven't we? Well, you haven't stick a baby in a feeding trough. But where you felt like God had spoken to you, 
and you followed in obedience, and then there's silence. Or you followed in obedience, and it's not turning out how you thought it was going to turn out. God, what's going on? It looks completely different than I thought. Just thinking about this manger reminds us of the truth that we all know. There will be times when we follow God that it just does not seem to be working out. Amen? It seems like, God, where did you go? But it reminds us that following Jesus is not based on circumstances or feelings but trustfully obeying and submitting to his will and faith. That is hard because we want to see the whole picture. We want it to work out just so. But that's what we have to do as believers. Continually lay down our lives before God and say, you're writing my story. Even if it doesn't look like I want it to look. You feel... The same verse, verse 19. Keep this thought in your mind. How the ESV, very familiar words here, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Two important words, we can't miss it. Treasured. It implies protection. It implies remembrance. Ponder. To weigh in mind. To put one thing against another. To think about and examine closely. That's what Mary's doing as she's thinking about how all this has been unfolding. We, we see the same language if we go a little further in chapter 2 in verse, in verse 51. Then Jesus returned to Nazareth with them and he was obedient to them. This is when Mary found him at the temple. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. So she's thinking about, like, God, what's going on? Your child didn't obey us. I mean, there's, there's things going on in her mind. Mary makes a deliberate effort to remember all that she had heard and saw when the reality of what was happening made no sense at all. She knew what God had promised her about her son and what the angel had told her. If we go back to verse 32, just in, in chapter 1, it says, He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Well, it doesn't seem like it. He's in a manger. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestors, David. Yeah, in a manger, in a cow pen. Right, God. It's not unfolding like I thought. But listen to her response in Luke chapter 138. Before she knew how this was going to unfold, she committed in her heart to accept God's will and his plan for her. Read it with me. Mary responded, The Lord's servant, may everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Again, the manger reminds us as we follow God, at times it seems like it's not working out. Yeah, we know God's in charge, but oh, my life. This is when we trust God. When we walk in faith like Mary did. And not just Mary, but the shepherds as well. Verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. 
is my fourth point. The manger reminds us that what might be our lack of faith, our understanding could be someone else's miracle. It ties into this last week. God is working all around, and often we're just so focused on our stuff. God is working in our life, but the remainder reminds us he's working in other places too. He's working on a grander scale. He may be using your pain for somebody else's growth. The reality of what Mary and the shepherds went through has changed them, just like it's intended to change all of us. And we need to be reminded of that every single Christmas. Mary had to see and had to have eyes to see what God was doing. And she chose to. But it was still hard. So when you're going through the hard, ask God to give you glimpses. And if he doesn't give glimpses, walk by faith because God is still working. And it's an amazing thing. All right, so that's the Christmas narrative. Spent three weeks looking at it. I want to close with two more lessons from the manger. I know there's six today. There's a lot. So number five. The the manger reminds us that God's ways are not our ways. Say this with me. Reminds us. God's way is not our way. We don't like uncertainty. At least I don't like uncertainty. If it was up to me, I would, rather, I would not want faith to be faith. I would want faith to be knowledge, to be sight. Like, God, give me a road map. But God's ways are not our ways. God is in control. Nobody wants to leave their hometown. Nobody wants to get news that they're pregnant as a teenager. God, what are you doing? Or think about Abraham in Genesis 12. We studied that a couple years ago. Abraham, leave your hometown. Where? Just follow me. Abraham, how long? Just follow. I'll lead you. Abraham had enough faith to go, did he? Yes. He just didn't have enough faith to go alone. He took Lot with him. And I heard this, and it stuck with me. God tells us to go and we usually take a lot with us as well. Right? Because we forget that God's ways are not our ways, and we try to write our own story. This journey of faith is tough because God does not do it the way that we would have him do it. And this creates a problem in our thinking often. God, if you could just get on my program. I'm sure you've never prayed that way before. So we're kicking off this building program. I'm like, God, just drop $2 million in our lap and we'll start building tomorrow. And God's like, nope, wait. Trust me. My ways are not your ways. I'm working on a grander scale. You might not see it all. Trust me. The remainder reminds us that God's ways are not our ways. There's so much we could say about that. God never does anything by accident. He's totally sovereign, totally in control. And I thank God for that. Which leads to the last point. The manger is a theater for God's wisdom. The manger is a theater for God's wisdom. 
And Jesus Christ is the center and the sum of all of God's wisdom. When Jesus was born in the manger, God was unfolding his plan of salvation that was hidden before the foundation of the world. And according to Ephesians 1, God's plan was always to set his son before us. Verse 9 and 10 says, says this, making known to us the mystery of his will. You want to know what God's up to? This is, he's telling us. Making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in who? Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. How much does he want to restore? All things, all things. Through the manger, the mystery of the plan of salvation, the mystery of what God was up to, which was hidden for ages, comes to light. And we get to see the wisdom <coughs> of God. And no one, not even Mary, expected this whole story to unfold this way. Human wisdom told the Israelites that Jesus, or the, the Messiah, would come as a conquering king. But God's wisdom comes as a baby in a manger. Jesus in the manger even took Satan and the demons by surprise. They knew from the beginning that, that it would come down to a showdown. That, that God the creator is far more superior than they are. They're created beings. And they knew they could not win, but boy do they try. Revelations 12, 2. The devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing that he has little time. His time is short. Matthew 8, 29. They, the demons, began screaming at him, Why are you interfering with us? Talking about Jesus, Son of God. Have you come here to torture us before God's appointed time? Who's in control? God's in control. God's in control. What they did not expect, though, and what many people don't expect is that salvation would come through a manger. That God would unfold his plan through a baby in the manger through the sign that he gave the shepherds. The wisdom of God is on full display in the baby in the manger. And Satan knew that God's divine power was going to destroy him. But he had no idea how. He never expected to be, to be defeated by the divine, the incarnate divine child. It blew his mind. Can you imagine him? Listen, listen to some of these verses in 1 John. Next slide, please. 3, 8. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil, who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Through a baby in the manger. And his life and the gospel. John 12, 31. When Jesus came to his last hour, he said, The time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. And it began in a manger. Through a humble baby. God's plan of salvation. He not only defeated Satan, the Bible tells us that God shamed Satan as, as well through his gospel. Colossians 2 you were dead because of your sins, and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you what? Alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. 
In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Had to start at the manger. God is always in control. And his wisdom is on full display in baby Jesus. This entire plan of salvation was God's wisdom in history through Jesus Christ from the beginning. And Christmas is the inbreaking of God's plan into history and into our lives. And we've got to remember and reminded of that every single Christmas. Nothing has ever been the same since this baby was born in a manger. So we have to do what Mary does. We've got to ponder. We've got to think. We've got to rest and say, God, it's your will. I'm trusting your wisdom and what you're doing. But you know what's awesome for us? He's given us just more than just the sign that the shepherd lived, looked for. They found the sign. They found the baby in the manger. We know of Jesus' birth. We know of Jesus' life. We know of his cruel death on a cross. We know of his resurrection. We know of the, the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. We know that Jesus is coming back again. We have a sign. It's right here for us in the word of God. So my question for you this Christmas, are you pursuing that? Are you looking for that sign and letting that change your life and getting to know the wisdom of God? Because God has given us an indescribable gift in Jesus Christ. It was such a great gift that it has ripple effects. And if you choose not to be part of it, God is still going to work. And he's still going to spread his gospel because it's who he is. But he loves you. And he sent his baby, his own son, Jesus Christ. And we get to celebrate that every, every Christmas. Let's pray. So, Father, I spent three weeks just tearing apart and looking at the, the Christmas narrative. I don't know if I've ever done that. And spent so much time doing it, but there's so many lessons that we can learn. God, may we be people that are always willing to learn, that do not get hard, that will bow, make Jesus Lord and Savior of our life, and then submit our life to him and to his will. So thank you for these lessons we've learned over the last few weeks. Apply them to our life. And may you be praised, and may the ripple effect here in Oceana County be strong through FBC and through each one that is sitting here this morning. We pray in your name. Amen.